where Jesus is invited to dinner with two completely different characters. So turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the disciples, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay them back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight I want to ask you a question. I want you to turn to somebody around you real quick. And here's my question. Have you ever crashed a party? Have you ever snuck in somewhere you weren't invited? Have you ever gone in? You know what I'm talking about. You know, just... Hey, turn to somebody near you and talk about what that felt like. Were you nervous? Were you not nervous? Turn to each other. Have you snuck into a party? All right. <clears throat> Stick with me. Okay, maybe... Maybe there's stuff in that question you don't necessarily want to share here. I remember once I was with Campus Ministry. We were in New York City, and we had some extra time in our hands. We were at the hotel, so I actually snuck out with a couple students, took a bus to New York, went to uh, Times Square, and snuck into, at halftime, Les Mis. <laughs> this is a true statement. But after a few minutes, we couldn't find any seats, so we walked back out, and we left. But it was quite a laugh trying to find a seat when you didn't have your ticket. Tonight, I want to claim that a little bit, claim that spirit, because tonight, I want you to think about who do you identify with in this story? 
And I want to sort of walk through the different characters of the story and see how we might learn from them. You see, first off is there's this Pharisee, Simon, one of the religious leaders, very concerned about the law and rightful obedience of the law and the oral traditions. And they have been seeing Jesus heal and teach and drive out evil spirits and do different things, and they have lots of questions about Jesus, and they are not very open to what's happening with him. They see the crowds, and they're nervous. And so Simon, who's a Pharisee, is investigating about Jesus and invites him back to his home. He's interested, maybe a little skeptical, but he's investigating who is this Jesus. He invites him for dinner, and at a Pharisee's home or at a home at that time, there might be an open courtyard where you'd entertain, and the doors would be open to the street so people could come in. And Jesus and the Pharisees and the people who are there are reclining at the table enjoying dinner. And then this woman boldly interrupts. She's not even named, never in the story. She boldly enters the house falls at the feet of Jesus, lavishly wiping his feet with her tears. I think there's a picture somewhere. And the picture of this woman challenges me. You see, she comes with unspeakable gratitude, determined to get to Jesus. She was going to get into that party and get to Jesus no matter what. It says she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at first, she wiped his feet, began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Wherever Jesus had, she had encountered Jesus before, something about Jesus was completely unique and different than anything she'd ever experienced before. Jesus saw her differently. He called something out of her that may have been dormant for a long time. We don't know what her sin was. Some have said it might be a sexual sin, but it could be a variety of things, and it's not named in this story. But Jesus, in Jesus, she saw somebody who believed in her. And she was totally unconcerned about her actions. No matter who was around, she was going to get before Jesus, and she was coming in gratitude boldly loving Jesus with her tears at his feet, no matter what other people were saying, and probably it was deadly quiet, but things were happening. And the woman is just fixated on Jesus, and so fixated on Jesus, nothing else mattered. And this spontaneous act, she brought her perfume, which may have been part of her trade, or may have just had a valuable thing that she had. She brought whatever she had to adore Jesus. And this woman challenges me in my response to Christ. Because my worship, my response to Jesus in my life needs to be born out of a gratitude, out of a freedom to come to Jesus however I'm supposed to be. You see, I think we're supposed to come to Jesus out of an overflow of a changed life. Something that that woman experienced had changed her in what she'd experienced in Jesus. And my hope is that when I come to worship, I remember how much Jesus has changed my life. I remember 
God's abundant mercy when I could be at such a different place. I want to remember the joy of my salvation that first time I heard about Christ's love and it just blew me away. And now that I've been a Christian for a while, sometimes it's tempting to forget about that or to move on or at least get distracted from that. And I just have to remember how lost I would be. How lost would you be without Jesus? When things were going down with my dad who got Alzheimer's at a young age, I quickly turned to alcohol and I, I really think I would have had a, been a problem, alcohol, problem drinker of alcohol for sure. But God called me out of that pretty quickly. So tonight, I want you to be challenged by the woman. Challenged by the way she so desperately wants to get to Jesus and how she's undeterred and undistracted from trying to worship him when so often we're distracted by so many things. She challenges me in my response to Christ. And then the story turns a little bit to Simon. Simon's the Pharisee who's the host, and he has a very unmerciful response. You see, he sees this awkward moment. He sees this going on in his house, in his courtyard. He says this in Luke 39. He says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. You see, as soon as the woman enters, Simon's eyes are on the woman. And even though Jesus is over here, I'm sure Simon's eyes are on the woman. This was a scandalous act to let down your hair. That only happened with your husband in private places. This was a scandalous act. A beautiful act, but a scandalous one. And Simon not only is judging the woman, he's judging Jesus. If Jesus were a righteous man... He would certainly send her away with a good scolding. But shockingly, Jesus neither scolds her or sends her away. And how could such a respected leader, a rabbi, or a man who claims to be a prophet, allow this to happen? This is not okay. And Simon himself sees himself a little bit above, maybe a level above everybody else because of his role and his status and we hear in the story that Simon even neglects to offer proper hospitality to Jesus you see Jesus vividly contrasts Simon's hospitality with the hospitality of the woman see Jesus responds to Simon's thoughts while he's thinking these things. Simon's thinking, if Jesus is a prophet, he wouldn't let this happen. If Jesus knew who she was, this wouldn't happen. And he, Simon had never even spoke, and Jesus spoke to Simon. And he said this, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. And Jesus tells us a little parable, and I'm going to tell it in your way. Can you help me out? You want to help me? Stand on up. You want to help me? Come on up. It's pretty easy. So I'm putting this in today's terms. Now there's two people who owe college debt. One owes 5,000. 550 denarii would be 
a denarii was one day's wages. So I'm counting a day's wages as 100 bucks. Maybe that op that's optimistic for you guys, but um, <laughs> that would be $5,000. And 500 denarii would be 50,000. So one owes 50,000 on college debt, one owes 5,000. And this is Jesus' simple math lesson. He says to Simon, Simon, two people owe money to a moneylender, and he forgives them. One owes 5,000, one owes 50,000. Who's going to love him more? <laughs> Elsa. <laughs> That's it. That's the lesson. Jesus is trying to say, just on basic math, that when you've been forgiven much, you'll love much. Give these guys a hand. <laughs> Jesus had broken the silence with a parable. You see, he's trying to reveal to Simon, not that God says, hey, you need to sin a lot in order to, be, to love a lot, but he's trying to reveal to Simon his need and to show him a way to look at this woman with compassion who knew that she had such a great need. Simon doesn't see his need. He just sees problem, 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 sinner, sinner, sinner. While he's hyper-focused on other people, he's neglecting his own sin. Jesus confronts Simon's attitude by trying to reveal his need and his lack of awareness. It's not about the amount of sin, but an awareness of sin. Jesus says in verse 47, he says, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven. She loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The woman had experienced this forgiveness from Jesus and responded to him with gratitude. She was aware how lost she was without Jesus. The Pharisee, maybe not so much. I want to tell you about a time that I became aware of my need. Okay, any of you guys ever been overdrawn on your bank accounts? Ever? Okay, maybe 50 bucks? 100 bucks? 200? Raise your hand. Proudly, raise your hand. There you go. All right, a couple of years ago, I got a notice from my bank. And it said I was overdrawn for this much. I'm not crapping you either. I got that in the mail. I opened that up and I almost fell over. I wrote down the amount so you guys would believe me. I was overdrawn by that much. What did I do immediately? I drove to the bank. And I said, what is this? This is not my debt. And the mistake was the bank's fault. And it was corrected with a few keystrokes. But man, it stopped my heart when it happened. Now here's the deal. Here's the lesson. A debt like that is outrageous but it was fixed with a couple keystrokes. What Jesus is trying to do in the story is say all of us have a debt, and it's outrageous, and it's real. 
and it can't be wiped away or deleted. But if you want to experience freedom from that debt, you need to come to Jesus because he is offering it to the woman now and would later pay for it in full by his life and his death and resurrection, which is what we're talking about at the table. It says this in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me say it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are freely justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. This is the good news. And here's my lesson for us this morning. Only those who realize the depth of their sin, only those who realize the depth of their sin can they appreciate the complete forgiveness that Christ offers. Have you been reminded this week by the shootings and by the pain and some of the difficult things happening in the world that the world needs a Savior? Have you been reminded this week by your struggle with sin, by your incapacity to sometimes overcome sin, that you're stuck, that your relationship with God is broken and that without Christ's grace, you're going to be lost? I've been reminded this week that I need a Savior by what I've done and by what I've left undone. Now here's my final point. Jesus offers the woman, and I believe to Simon, undeserved forgiveness. She is fully overcome with gratitude. You see, Jesus is no ordinary prophet. He's the one true God who has the authority and a power to look at this woman and forgive her of her sins. What this woman longed for more than anything else was forgiveness and acceptance, and Jesus offers it to her, and he offers it to her knowing that it would later cost him his life. And when God offers you forgiveness, he wants to set you free. Because when God offers you forgiveness, he takes the pain away. He releases you from the debt. He breaks the chain. And restores the broken relationship that all, all of us know is true of us without Christ. So who do you identify with in this passage? Are you more like Simon the Pharisee? Too self-focused? A little hard-hearted? Guarded towards Jesus? Lacking compassion? I'll be honest, when I was in college, I was the most like a Pharisee at any point in my life. I was trying to work out my faith. I still had lots of struggles on the inside. They didn't always show on the outside, and I had not a lot of compassion for people who seemed to be very flippant in college with what was going on. And God broke me of that bitterly when I studied in London one semester and lived with four guys and I sort of blew the opportunity to share Christ with them because I had such a hard-hearted attitude to some of the stuff going on. I was more legalistic than compassionate. So if you can identify with Simon the Pharisee, let God remind you that you have a huge need, way bigger than that need that I showed you on the screen. Release your self-righteousness and intent, instead put all your hope on Jesus. Become like the woman, a fool, like the sinful woman who throw yourself at the feet of Jesus 
in desperation and gratitude and realize your need and that no amount of goodness can repay the debt that you owe. It's only the free gift of Jesus. And maybe tonight you're like the sinful woman. Guy or girl, maybe you can relate. Have you reached the end of your rope? You don't know what else to try? You're plagued by guilt? You feel all alone? You're ready to be released? Released from the guilt of your past? From your struggle? What I hope is that you'll throw yourself at the feet of Jesus tonight. That Jesus loves you. He died on the cross so that he could forgive you of your sin. I pray that you'd come and place your trust in Jesus. Come when you're ready. Jesus' word to you is to come to him today. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. No matter what, you're, what you've done the things that you've never told anyone, the things you've hardly admitted to yourself, the things that you've covered up for so long, what Jesus says to you is, come as you are tonight. Receive my free gift of forgiveness. Experience the presence and the power of Jesus to set you free to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we prepare to meet you at the supper tonight, we pray that we'd come open and honest and bring you who we are so that you can help us become what we never could have been. In Jesus' name we pray, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.